Hello and welcome to this new and awesome, if I do say so myself, mini-series from Twinkle Podcasts. This time we're focusing on going back to school. That's right, it's that time of year again when educators everywhere start to think about going back to school. So, why are we bringing you the Back to School podcast? After everything that's happened over the last 18 months, it's no surprise to us that, once again, you've gone above and beyond to keep everyone learning. And well, we've never been prouder to help those who teach. That's why we want to put you guys front and center in our recording studio, well, to share your story. We'll be hearing from loads of different educators about their story in education, sharing some personal experiences and some cool tips and tricks. I'll be showcasing some of our awesome members from Twinkle over the next few weeks, so make sure to tune in for the series. We'd also love to hear from you as a listener, so get in touch with any questions or comments, or you know what, even share your story with the hashtag ShareYourStory. Today, you'll be meeting Annalie. Annalie is an NQT who will be sharing with us what it was like to gain experience during the pandemic and taking on extra responsibility. Top tips for meeting your class and finding your first role. I can't wait to hear her story and I hope you enjoy it too. Pearson believes that every kid needs a champion. She said this in a TED talk. She gives her perspective on educational reforms and what makes a great teacher. But one thing that really resonated with her talk was that she said how rarely we discuss the value and importance of human connection. So when Annalie reevaluated her chosen career as an educational psychologist, the answer was clear. So I've always loved children. Um, Before my um, role at Primark, which was my most recent employment before um, starting my PGC, everything before that had been child orientated in some sense. Um, So I was a private tutor. Um, I was a tutor at Explore Learning. Um, I then worked in a cafe that had kind of like a soft play in the background. Um, you know, and I helped them do kids parties and things like that. So it was always very child orientated. And for a long time, I wanted to be an educational psychologist. Um, So that's kind of one of the reasons why I went into the psychology degree. Um, But then one day I um, had a lecture from an actual educational psychologist and I was just listening to him and you know, it was all very science and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't feel like he had a real um, connection. There's, there's a really good French word for it. Um, rapport. So it kind of means like to have a link or a connection, but it's, well, that's why, that's why I couldn't think of the word in English. And I thought, well, I want to work with the children, not just for an hour a week. So I thought, well, I'd quite like to go into into teaching because then instead of having an impact on one child here and there across wherever, you know, you can have an impact and 
not necessarily change the lives, but you can definitely give them like that good start that they need for 30 children all at once. You can build relationships, you can get to know them, you can help them. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was a really big kind of light bulb moment because it was all these little facts that I knew. And in that lecture, it kind of just put them together, but it led to a different path than I thought I was going down. So, yeah, I think that was kind of a light bulby moment. I, of course, because they recommend you getting experience, and this was pre-COVID, so I did manage to work um, one day a week from, I think, October to July um, in a year four classroom, and um, at the time, there was a boy getting a dyslexia diagnosis, and I kind of saw the dread and the whole hype before going to see an, edu an educational psychologist, and I just didn't want to feel like I would go into a school and cause that much stress in a child when actually all I wanted to do was help them mm. um you know whereas teachers they're you know if you're a good teacher then the child normally loves you and they feel close to you and they feel that they can you know approach you and trust you um whereas when it's just a stranger coming in I didn't want to be that stranger that was like oh gosh I need to see this person It's no secret that finding and keeping a job in the COVID-19 crisis was a challenge for so many, and it became a huge part of the crisis. And finding your first teaching job is normally extremely difficult to do. The process is rigorous, and many would argue unnecessary. I actually don't think I've experienced anything similar since leaving teaching. It's definitely unique. It can involve an initial email and then a visit to the school where you ask questions and make some notes. I've always found this quite a strange situation as there are normally a small group of you all bidding for the same job and it can feel really competitive. Not that there's anything wrong with competition. After the visit, you can then choose to put in an application and then if you're successful in gaining an interview, congratulations by the way, there can be a lesson observation and then followed by an interview or even a presentation. Whew. Annalie tells us her experience of looking for a job during the pandemic. Well, I think one thing that's been difficult and I don't think it's, hopefully, <laughs> it's not like a personal thing, but I think it's been um, an experience that a lot of people have had is actually finding positions at the current moment um a lot of people have been like sticking to their jobs because they're nervous about you know the future now with lockdown and being furloughed and things like that but then obviously you've also got the other aspect of people being furloughed from their jobs and then having time to reflect and being like do you know what this isn't the job for me and then going into teaching so there's been a huge influx of teachers um but then not necessarily very many jobs going so there's been a big reliance on agencies um, I think, or at least in my area. Um, and I found that a really big challenge because, you know, applications are quite long. Um, you want to, you know, sell yourself in the best way possible. And so you put a lot of mental energy in there. Um, and then rejection can be hard just for anyone. So I think that's been a really big challenge. Um, but I would say to keep persevering and 
even if they don't give feedback because I think for a lot of mine I would ask for feedback and they went oh sorry we had 90 applicants so I couldn't we can't give individual feedback or they would just never get back to me I think just try and tweak some things you know every time maybe it was um you didn't sound confident enough in your paragraph or maybe you forgot to include a key piece of experience so I think just tweaking it until you find the right combination is important because if it wasn't your let's say your personal statement that was working for an employer if you keep sending it to multiple different jobs it's not going to work for them either um another thing I would suggest um is and I know it's difficult with COVID but trying to gain experience where you can um so even if you don't get a teaching job kind of like I did I still gained experience through doing PPA um I know some people who haven't got a job they're going um into schools as a HLTA um but anything that gains you classroom experience I think is good because it's the moment people see gaps in your employment or maybe you know you've just got your PGC but then you went into I don't know waitressing or something they might be like well why didn't you try and go as a TA because I'm sure schools would love you know a TA who's actually a qualified teacher um but obviously I understand that everyone has financial needs to be met so um but if possible and if the opportunity arises try and just stay whatever way possible in a school setting um if not to just continue with CPD so there's lots of different courses like on um open uni and future learn um and sure academy you know they've all got some cpd that you could then mention okay well during my gap of employment i have continued my um professional development so that i can um bridge the gap of my knowledge on send or um you know assessment for learning things like that i think just doing what you can to try and stand out and yeah, I, th- I think those those are the best things that you can do. But obviously, I'm I'm no expert at that because I'm still looking for a vacancy. But that's things that I've been trying to do. So if it works for somebody else, then um, bonus. <laughs> when we do find that role, teaching is filled with loads of those little proud moments, isn't it? And fulfillment. So we asked Annalie if she had any moments that she would maybe call her proudest and what are some of the challenges when you're starting out? Well, this sounds really silly, but I think it's it's a really nice short summary and an example of kind of the impact we can have on, you know, just children's development. So there was this um, boy in my year one class and when I arrived, so this was April, you know, he'd been in school since, Um, September and he was very very dependent I mean they all were because they had got used to their parents sitting next to them during home learning and catering to their every single needs Um, so I think they were still adapting coming back but he couldn't even put his coat on he would just come up so you're trying to get everyone to line up doing the clap thing you know making sure they're quiet and he would just come up to you and he was EAL as well so he would no words he would just hold up his coat And I started to kind of teach him how to be able to put it on by himself. So he started then only coming up to me to do the zip. And then I taught him how to do the zip. And then by the end, I know this sounds so trivial, but by the end, he would just line up with his coat on, all zipped, ready to go. And I was like, ah, (laughs) you know, like one of those revolutionary moments. And you were like, I taught him that. It sounds silly, but for the rest of his life, he's going to put his coat on. And I was the one who showed him how to do that because he never 
did it before you know his parents just do that because they they love their children don't they they just do their coats up but I think it's it's you know an example of how we teach independence and um you know skills that they will use for life and also to become their own person and not reliant on adult figures um and then obviously <clears throat> pardon me I'm losing my voice but you adapt this to you know academics phonics reading writing and you just think wow you know you only have them for a few months of their life but you can you can make a change even if it's small ones like that you know if every single teacher makes a small impact like that it can it can lead to great things so I think that was a really sweet moment I think it's just one that I will remember because I was so proud. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I think everyone should should know this and should feel comfortable in, in utilising this advice, but do not be scared to just talk out about something or to, you know, ask a question or ask for a piece of advice. Um, you know, at one point, said the child, she ran out of the classroom and I was by myself and there was 29 others and I was like um. so I just had to run into a classroom ask somebody to help and you know them cover and you know in that instance you're too rushed off your feet to think otherwise and I think we will often keep our worries or our concerns or our questions to ourselves until there's a point where it's too late or there's no turning back and I think we should be able to feel confident to ask before it comes to to that point I think obviously we've if you've gone through the training or you've done your NQT induction year you know you you can teach and I think sometimes we're so scared of judgment from SLT or maybe our team teachers or our NQT mentors that we don't want to ask but we need to remember that if that has maybe a negative impact on the children or their progress it's always best to ask and actually they'll probably respect you more for it but it can feel daunting. Um, so yeah, just ask for help or ask for advice when you need it, not when it's too late and there's no turning back. I mean, there were definitely, in every school um, I've worked at and my placements, there were definitely people who were really, really supportive more so than others. And indirectly, they would kind of say like, oh, if you need any help, feel free to ask. And you hear that phrase a lot, but sometimes you don't feel like you can. Whereas there's always some member of staff even if it's not Elsa SLT that you feel you can turn to and I think everyone should try and find that one person it doesn't have to be the head or the deputy head it could just be um, even if it's your TA or you know the year three teacher when you work in reception <laughs> you know it doesn't matter as long as you feel you've got some kind of support there I think that's really important and um, Obviously, Ofsted is now looking into the well-being of staff. So I think it is being encouraged and it is being spoken about more. Um, I think when teaching is going right, you would know because you've got kind of a good work-life balance and you can see that the children are making progress in the short term, but also the long term. Um, and that obviously the children are happy and you've got a nice, stable learning environment. Mm -hmm. um, I think those those are like really critical signs that, that you can see because if you know the children are learning well and they're making progress but then you're working until 11 p.m every night and then you go into school at 7 a.m then even though what you're doing is benefiting the children it's not going right for you personally you know there's there's some things that you might have struggled or prioritize um because one thing that's really 
important. And again, that kind of links to the advice that I just um, mentioned. But if your well-being isn't kind of top-notch and you're not feeling yourself, the children feel it and you often can see it in the classroom. You know, there's a big difference between just saying, okay, guys, you know, today we're going to be doing phonics. And then, you know, having this big dramatic body language where children are engaged, they're switched on, they're like, whoa. Um, and, you know, you get that comment that they say to every teacher, like, you're the best teacher. <laughs> I'm like, I just heard you say that to somebody else a second ago. But, you know, you can at least tell that they're, you know, enjoying themselves and enjoying their learning. And I think if you are knackered because you're doing super long hours, even if the children are benefiting and they're progressing, there's still some things that maybe you personally need to work on, um, you know, just to have that that better balance and be a well-rounded and calm and not knackered teacher. <laughs> and I think also in the training year, they do obviously emphasize that, you know, um, make sure you ask for help or you've got those tutor meetings to reflect on. Um, but yeah, in the NQT year, it wasn't said to me as much, but I know I didn't take the traditional route of in September getting an NQT job. So I don't know if that would be slightly different for other people. But another challenge has kind of been lockdown learning. So obviously I had to do um, French <laughs> lockdown learning. Um, and they also gave me some added responsibilities during this time in that I would prepare well-being um, and kind of meditation videos for the whole school, um, as well as taking on um, teaching music for um, reception up to year six, because the music teacher had to go into school and teach um so I went from just teaching French to French music and kind of yoga and I'm no yoga expert <laughs> by any means whatsoever um so that was a challenge but it was also rewarding because I think when you have no idea and you have no connection with the students one child sends you a piece of you know learning out of 650 and that is enough to make you feel like it was worthwhile and it was nice to feel that, you know, your effort was being appreciated and, you know, that some parents were probably cringing at my French videos <laughs> online. But, you know, at least they were sitting there with their child and kind of, um, you know, doing the learning and embracing the current situation. So although that was a challenge, there were some satisfying, you know, moments in that. And I think that was a, <laughs> a new experience for everyone. So, um Yes, it was it was an interesting part of the journey to start your career off, but there you go. Even with the challenges that a newly qualified teacher faces, it is so important to make time for ourselves and take care of our well-being. So what does Annalie do in her spare time? So I was actually considering um, getting a summer job, but I thought this is my first summer really where I've never worked. Um, even between uni, I would always be working. I had like a summer job. Um, so I thought for once, I'm just going to actually allow myself this break. Um, but I have been working quite a lot on um, the petite primary. So um, making videos on YouTube and also um, on Instagram. Um, so for example, I've got a live tonight at 8 p.m. where I'm just going to be um, offering some tips for PGC students um, on how they can prepare. Um, but I kind of, I did a part one two weeks ago where it was 
you know, preparing subject knowledge and preparing for your assessments. But this time it's more tips on how to kind of mentally prepare and things that you can do to prepare now, but that will be beneficial in the long term. Um, so I'm really working on that. And just while I have the time, you know, planning some posts and doing some lives and videos and, and things like that, um, which is keeping me busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, mostly my plans I think traveling has been slightly taken off the um option list doing doing things like that keeps you busy because otherwise I feel like maybe it's just me but I don't have a goal for the day you know otherwise it's too easy to just Netflix binge and (laughs) not do anything else so um yes I'm I'm immersing myself in that which which um is good One of my favourite things about going back to school is probably meeting a new class. There are so many opportunities to build. It's like a great place to learn and grow together. And I think there's definitely something attractive about a blank slate. To go back to Rita Pearson's TED talk, she mentioned that one of the first things she would do in a new class was to make the children say that they were somebody and that they deserve that education and they were going places and you know what if you said that enough it would start to become part of you so with that in mind what are Annalise's top tips for meeting a class well I think one thing is to have kind of a moment um to just introduce yourself and maybe just you know all of the children to introduce themselves again um and it can be through, you know, sitting in a circle and just saying one fact about yourself, or if they're older, going into pairs and the person has to say a fact about the other person, you know, just an ice, an icebreaker kind of thing, because then that can, that's one way that you can like build a relationship and get to know a little fact about the children. I think another thing that you can do to get them all on board um, with those rules and expectations is maybe ask them, what what environment would you like while you're learning? Because it's highly unlikely, unless maybe you have a little class clown, um, for them to go, I want a really noisy classroom. You know, that's really unlikely. They'll probably say, oh, maybe a quiet one. And then you're like, oh, okay, so shall we create a rule about that? So they feel like they're on board. And then you can also say, well, you know, in future, if you refer back to it, this is what we all agreed on. We worked together on this. So you need to help me make sure that we can create a nice, learning environment for everyone um and you know I've done this with like year four five so I know that's a nice way as well because then they feel like they're accountable and it's not just right I'm your new teacher I want you to do this this and this listen otherwise you know they're sanctions because you know some children that's just the ticket they need to kind of push your buttons and and you know create distractions um so I think that's getting to know maybe forming kind of a classroom rule thing together I know some people call it charters um you know like a classroom charter um and maybe a third thing hmm. I'm not sure but definitely those two I'll stick with those two they'll be my top two because then it's a nice mixture of being relatable but also being kind of you know the adult in the room and you know you need to listen but also we're all a team and you know we all agree on this together I think sometimes there's this kind of mindset of I can't teach everything unless I know all of it. You don't need to be an expert in everything. But if you know that um, you want your pupils to know the definition of tempo after five lessons, we'll think, okay, how will I 
introduce that over five lessons. What will my targets be for everyone? And so you don't need to learn about pitch and all those other things. Just stick with understanding the subject knowledge for one thing, consider going backwards, like what would the stepping stones be? And then I think that's enough because, you know, there's, there's too much to know. We can't know every single piece of information. qualified teachers last year will have been an extremely unique experience which is the understatement of the century. They will have had to adapt a teaching approach that they have only just started to develop, take on extra responsibilities and maybe even put their own development aside. This would have been a really unique way to start any career. I hope you enjoyed listening to the first episode in this mini-series as part of Twinkle's back-to-school campaign. Our next episode features Chrissy, a teacher-turned-tutor. But in the meantime, we'd love to hear your stories, so please get in touch on any of our social media channels with the hashtag ShareYourStory. I'm Amy, and thanks for listening. <laughs>